Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the Amitok Spotlight series, where we discuss the technologies, the companies, and the people that we believe are shaping the evolution of retail. Today, Chris and I are really excited because thrilled. we have... Thrilled, yes, <laughs> because we have our friend and mentor, uh, Laura Heller. Laura Heller is the Director of External Communications at Performix and also a fellow Forbes contributor. Laura... Welcome to the OmniTalk show. Thank you. I'm so pleased to be here. And that's a really, really flattering introduction. Well, you've been one of our earliest supporters. And we, we've been wanting to have this conversation with you for a long time to have you as a guest on the show. So Absolutely. I'm, in fact, I'm going to flatter you even more because I think in life you only get a few moments, seminal moments like this, where you can actually say things to people in the way you want to say them. And I would actually say for those listening, our guest here today, Laura Heller, is probably one of... One of the three most influential people, I would say, Absolutely. to Omnitalk success this past year. So mm-hmm. her, along with Kevin Iverson, if they're listening, Carter Jensen. But Laura was really, I'll never forget the day. I think, Laura, you might remember this, but I think it was like someday in June or July, I think you had read something I wrote about Lionel Richie, and you gave me a call, and you said, hey, why don't you write for me mm-hmm. And when you yeah. were the editor at Retail Dive, and uh, kind of never looked back since. So I, I personally, from and for Anne, too, I, I can't thank you enough. Well, I I got a heads up. Somebody, uh, one of the big retailers sent me a note, a personal message saying, hey, you should check this guy's workout. (laughs) And I did. And I said, okay, I would like to run that work and publish it on our (laughs) website and send it out with the newsletter. And I can say that, you know, while I was editor at Retail Dive, you did several really stunning pieces for us that um, were among some of the most popular and most read stories of the year. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, again, thanks so much for that opportunity. But but enough about that. Let's let's turn our attention to So what are you doing now? So you've left you've left Retail Dive. What are you doing now? I have. I made the jump to um, the agency side. I did that, you know, going from pure journalism to content and communications for a, for a very large agency. Performix is a digital agency that's part of the Publicis group. Um, And there's a subgroup within Publicis called Publicis Media, and there are several digital brands within that. Uh, Performix uh, specializes in um, customer search and reaching customers along all the different points of the journey, right? We used to Mm -hmm. call that the path to purchase, and there's, you know, no path anymore, really. So it's a little more Mm -hmm. complicated. Um, But it's an exciting time for me to join them. And and the reason why I did this, um, in part, is that... Uh, there's a commerce group now formed around all of the digital agencies within Publicis Media. So it's about creating solutions that are a little more comprehensive for brands um, Hmm. and allowing me to take the 20 plus years of retail expertise and put that to work in a way that solves problems as opposed to telling stories, which is what I had been doing. That's awesome. And Laura, you've you've been doing like as you mentioned, you've been in retail for a while. Can you talk to us about some of the things just as you look back on your career so far? Um, what are some of the things that have kind of made a mark on you or have have been the biggest kind of shifts or changes you've seen in the industry? Well, it's a big one. Uh, 
the the shift to digital i mean i started writing about retail just at the sort of early <laughs> of the internet you know i'm like that old i started reporting on retail with a computer that was dos based okay and a landline okay. and a room full of research directories so when i was looking for sources i mean literally it was like going through a phone book of who's who in retail at what and um and just start dialing right yeah and and the fact that I could do that, that anybody did that then and did it well is stunning to me now with all the tools we have. So um, there's that. And watching, you know, who were the dominant players when I started really covering mass market in particular mm -hmm. in 1996, 97, um, and seeing how those guys are gone. I mean, my first beat was Midwest-based mass merchants. And so that was Sears. Okay. Mm -hmm and Target. Okay. And um, I was based in Chicago, still am. And then also the consumer electronics retailers. So I covered the product category in depth and mm. the retailers who sold those products, which was Best Buy. And I know you guys are in Minneapolis. So those sure. were, yeah. I spent a lot of time going back and forth from Chicago to Minneapolis. And, you know, a lot of those retailers are gone. I mean, Circuit City was the dominant player when I started. Wow. And that was when Best Buy was not expected to survive yet another year. Hmm. And Radio Shack was a powerhouse and owned several brands across the computer superstore. All of those are gone, mm -hmm. with the exception of Best Buy. And Best Buy has really transformed itself over the years in really exciting ways. And and it has provided for me a little bit, and not to you know blow smoke, but watching how Best Buy has changed and adapted is a really great lesson for anyone who follows a retail because that is a company that's been pronounced dead several times over the course of the years with different leadership mm -hmm. and has still managed to have an open mind about where they need to go and how they need to get there. And I, I always think that that's a great lesson. Mm -hmm. Are there any parallels you see in, you know, going through that experience that you would now, you know, see them again or offer advice in terms of retail companies as they're trying to kind of figure out their way through this almost, it's almost a fog of war in a lot of ways in terms of, everything you have to deal with. Like, what do you see that, you know, you think worked in the past that you would make sure people call to mind again? Um, I think that the biggest uh, detriment to any business, retail or otherwise, is hubris. Mm. Uh, and that's not something I came up with, you know. Right. I, I, we never I, talk I, about that at OmniTalk, <laughs> Laura, so no, no never. You don't. And maybe that's why you and I have such a great meeting of the minds, Chris. Um, but I, you know, I've seen that play out time and time again. An early mentor of mine who is a marketing professor now at the University of Michigan, Eric Gordon, if you have a chance, okay. he's a fun interview. Um, you know, he told me that years and years and years ago. And I've taken that to heart. And you hmm. can pinpoint even companies that are still here that mm -hmm. have managed to turn things around. Um, you can always pinpoint where that hubris took hold and you can watch the graph go down, 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 down until there is an aha moment for them, some kind of reckoning that they managed to get past their own hubris and, mm. and take a deep breath, take stock and actually do the hard work of making changes. Is there anyone that comes to mind right now that you think where you, you've seen that kind of transition outside of Best Buy? It sounds like Best Buy has gotten a nice turnaround. Not sure that hubris was necessarily a part of that, but um, but anyone else that you see where you're saying, hey, you know, we've seen that happen and now watching it go forward, well, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, I think that, you know, your fellow and former employer is a pretty good one, Target. Oh, okay. Um, you know, they, they really 
wow, you know, there were some dark moments in the recent past for them. And I think that they have done um, an extraordinary job of, of turning that ship around uh, in a short period of time. And I think that leadership had a lot to do with that. And, you know, internal honesty about what's going right and wrong. And I'm not, I was not on the inside, but from my view on the outside looking in, I think that's a great one. Mm. And I think Walmart as well. I was going to ask you that. Okay, do you? Okay. Why is that? I do. I think that, um, you know, for Walmart, the, the odds of it going down a path very similar to what Sears did, which is, well, we're the biggest and we've always been the best. And it would be a very easy thing to continue to ride for a decade or so before having to make any big changes. Right. Um, I, I don't, th- I, I, I give them, you know, mad props for not doing that. Right. No, that makes a ton of sense. I would, I would too. I think, I think we would definitely share that, those feelings as well. So there's been a lot in the media this past year. You know, I think of Amazon Go, all their different innovations. What have been some of the maybe stories or headlines that really caught your attention in terms of, hey, the future of retail is going to unfold in a different way than we know it today, especially as we start to go into the trade show season here and we start to look at all the retail tech, which we'll get to too. But I'm just curious, like what have been some of your favorite headlines from the past year? 2018 in review with Laura Heller. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I have to eat a little bit of crow on Amazon Go because I was super skeptical. Were you? Oh, I didn't man. know that. I, okay. I was um, until I went to it. Yeah. Because it is Me something too. that you really have to see and experience to understand the, the implications and applications of that technology mm-hmm. and how great that is. And not just for um, traditional retailers, but for commerce overall in a lot of different areas you know i mean there's a lot we talk about in retail and and the technologies that that we talk about that are really you know all we're going to do with it is try to sell people more stuff but often there are applications that are a little bit more um high-minded than that and i think that amazon go helps with some of that as well you know getting people to move through busy airports faster Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm getting people to, um, you know, have a better experience um, on vacation, you know, in a hotel, you know, by by having that technology throughout a property that can, you know, add things to your room bill without having to wait in line and lose precious time with your family at the beach, you right. know, add it to your, your tab. Um, little things, I know that sounds silly and it's not life-changing, um, but it does help make life better. And I like that about it. Um, you know, there's there's ways to apply that um, autonomous checkout technology to, to things that matter in hospitals and mm-hmm. um, other public facilities, libraries. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was easier to get um, books, would, would we buy more? Would we rent more? Would we borrow them more? Um, I, I, I don't know. I wonder about things like that. But I, I like the application implications of it mm-hmm. a lot have you been um, to the one in chicago like is that a, is that a, yeah. is a staple of your life now at this point um a little not a staple yet okay okay uh, but that's only because it's a little bit farther from my office than i have time for the got it on most days yeah um, but honestly if what they're doing i mean there's three now within several blocks mm-hmm. and i'm currently working in a very large building so if they were in my office building I'd be there every day. 
Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Well, that's quite the endorsement. <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, Laura, I want to shift gears here a little bit because uh, you're hosting the high tech retailing track at CES on January 9th. And I'd love to hear how you kind of started to get involved with CES and tell us a little bit about um, what our, our listeners and what the attendees of, of that CES track can expect this year. Sure. Um, CES is a, a show that I started going to a little more than 20 years ago because I was covering the consumer electronics category. And um, I went and it was a very roll up your sleeves working show where retailers were the main attendees mm -hmm. and they would get an overview of all the new products for the year. And I would go from company to company and booth to booth and I would basically basically ask three questions, you know, um, what's the release day, the SRP, um, and when is it, you know, who's your target audience? Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's a very different show now because there are fewer retailers. They don't need to show up in person and see the lineup. You know, there's different ways to handle that process. And it's become, it's a show that has evolved and become more of a showcase for innovation. And I felt that the retailers had really taken a bit of a backseat there. And um, so I, I pitched over the years and uh, two years ago, they, they, they bit. And, you know, I, I wanted to have a showcase for the retailers again to talk about how they're using that technology to, to be better merchants, mm -hmm. um, how they are creating it themselves in house and how they look at innovation from a, a larger perspective and not just the consumer end. And so that's what we did last year was the first year. It was a half a day um, at the Venetian Hotel. And um, it was five hours standing room only, hmm. uh, which was really exciting. And we had great turnout from very high profile retailers. Amazon was on the panel, Target, Walmart. You know, they aren't given much of a showcase for this outside of the um, industry specific shows like shop.org yeah. and NRF. Mm -hmm. um, and so this was a, a good platform for them to be like, yes, yeah, so we're just as innovative as, say, GM or Mercedes. And, you know, where they're putting this technology in the cars. Let's talk about how that auto technology is going to change how retailers are, are going coming to market and delivering products and connecting to customers and and where they where they fit in that moment. So so that's where that came about. I'm very excited. This year it's going to be a full day. And it will be on site at the Las Vegas Convention Center on Wednesday, January 9th. And it's, um, again, uh, a who's who of retail and technology. And we're going to talk a lot about, you know, all the big buzzwords, right? Like autonomous mm -hmm. checkout, Amazon Go, um, and other options that are on the market today that are not from Amazon that retailers can take advantage of to create those similar experiences within their environments. Um, robotics and how it's not going to replace workers so much as um, help to streamline processes that are difficult for workers to get a hand on, like like unloading um, in bad elements and, and automating backroom and inventory and warehouses. Um, drones, you know, it's funny, drones were a big deal. Everybody thought all our products were going to get de delivered by drones. <laughs> right. and now that's something that's gone away. Right. But all of that technology is, is on site at... Um, at CES. And so it's a fun one. It's hard because it is right up against NRS Big Show in New York. Um, there's only a few days between the two. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're doing both, it's, it's um, a little bit exhausting. I usually schedule some time off right after both. Sure. Um, 
I know I'm going to get sick. Um, (laughs) And, and, but you know, it's, it's, it's fun. And, and it's a, it's a great and exciting environment to be in if you are interested in technology at all. And today retail is almost more about technology than, than some of the other elements like merchandising and customer service and, or how technology is helping to make merchandising and customer service more exciting. So, so it's a, it's a great showcase if you're, if you're interested in that. And if you've ever been curious about CES, um, it's a good excuse to come. It gives you a purpose. Well, and Laura, I want to thank you kind of on behalf of, <laughs> of the retail audience for, for really playing a, a critical role in creating that track because yeah. CES is a huge show as as you know for having covered it for as long as you have and I think it's really wonderful that you've kind of created this sense of purpose and this place for that those conversations to happen um, one thing Chris and I have always admired about your writing is that you've you're not afraid to kind of go into the real deep questions about how retail can be better and whether that's including um, technology as a component of, of that, um, and just really, really asking asking the tough questions, and in this case at CES, providing a platform for those discussions to take place. So, yeah, I think the interesting part of what you said there is it's you know it's it's the blend of technology and merchandising together, mm-hmm. you know, and I think and when I compare and contrast, you know, how you describe CES with the NRF, it's you know NRF has been always you know traditionally I would say more about like just how do you operationalize retail versus you know it sounds like from what you're saying. You know, in terms of what you're trying to accomplish at CS, it's really what is, what is the innovative way to think about retailing and therefore to think about merchandising and reaching your customer that's kind of outside the normal every day of getting your job done, but really moves the industry forward. Yeah. Um, you know, as you look into the future. So, you talked about a, you talked about a few of those things. You talked about robotics. You talked about checkout free. Like what what are you excited? So you look forward to the future. What are you excited about in 2019? What are some maybe even Laura Heller predictions about <laughs> how things are going to play out here? I'm going to put you on the spot, Laura. Um, I, I can't predict that it will happen this year, but okay. I am looking forward to retailers finally creating truly unique, innovative, experiential environments um, and not just giving it lip service because right. I think the time is over for that. And I think there's you know, only so much time for some of these big guys to continue to make incremental changes mm-hmm. that, um, you know, that, that, that just kind of hold their place while they still don't know what to do or can't get board approval or don't know where the investments should go. Right. Um, I, I, I think that shopping malls hold a lot of promise. Um, I may be in a minority here, but I think that, you know, while many of them, the small regional ones will continue to die or close, um, I think that there are going to be some centers where we're going to start seeing some really exciting environments um, that make adaptive use of the space that isn't just stores that creates more of a, a meeting area to go. I think people are missing that. Mm-hmm. And I see, you know, I find myself going to a mall. Sometimes, you know, I've got a few hours. I wanted to mm-hmm. find some inspiration in a fashion or new um, you know, music or whatever, and that doesn't exist anymore, mm-hmm. right? I don't know where to go to look for that that isn't a computer screen. Mm-hmm. And I think that there we will maybe start to see a little bit of screen fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, what's happening with the social media platforms um, is going to have a lot of ripple effects in terms of how retailers and brands interact with their customers. Mm-hmm. As people start to maybe back off and take, you know, more vacations from, from some of these uh, social media platforms. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, or how, I, yeah. I look forward to that, mm-hmm. you know, being in the real a little bit. Yeah, I think me too. I mean, I think yeah, even even as those social media platforms take hold, how do those social media platforms take different manifestations in the physical world too, right? To be more experiential when you're out mm-hmm. in space and out socializing, you know, with other people or even in you on your own. Yeah, I, I, we agree. I mean, I think that's the one thing for me still about, you know, Walmart and some of the other guys is like there's been a lot of the incremental innovation, but the one thing I still just always kind of am asking for is, you know, what is that new reimagination of the experience that is something different? So yeah, it'll be, it's a good call out. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Especially, yeah, as it unfolds, not just in New York or in on the West Coast, I think, as right. that starts to make its way to middle America, too. Right. Oh, please let it make its way to middle I, America. I know. I agree. Yeah. Let's, well, I didn't expect to go there, but let's touch on that because I know that's a subject that's near and dear to your heart. What? Yeah. Talk about that middle America and, and what you see possibly missing there or who you look to for inspiration in terms of solving kind of that that issue specifically? Oh, gosh. I don't know that I know of anyone who is working <laughs> on that too well. I, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I don't know why people haven't learned a lesson from the election two years ago and that there are a whole mess of folks in the middle of the country that feel left out and have something to say about it mm-hmm. and have the power to do something about it. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever you think about the outcome, to me, that was one of the biggest lessons. Right. And, I, I, and it applies to retail, mm-hmm. you know, it applies to the entertainment industry when you release a film and it's only available on the coasts, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be in New York or California to, to see uh, an important movie mm-hmm. and to, to discount everybody else and make it so that it, imagine that they don't want that and can't comprehend that or wouldn't go see that I think is a big insult. And, you know, when I see retailers innovate, the large national chains do that in the middle of the country, mm-hmm. right? The Targets, the Walmarts, mm-hmm. uh, they have their test stores in in the heartlands, mm-hmm. and and they do make those changes, and they're not maybe big or dramatic. So there's a concept called Meow Wolf in Santa Fe, New Mexico, um, and it is an immersive art experience. Um, and anybody who has been thinks it is the most amazing thing and so much fun, and there are lines to get in at the opening up. In a small place, right? Mm -hmm. In a hard to get to location. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, there was recently an announcement that Meow Wolf will be anchoring a new shopping center in Las Vegas. Oh, wow. Which is, you know, going from, you know, playing in Peoria to the big stage. But, you know, that's a really great draw for people from all over the world to have this experience. And if you have that in a shopping center, mm-hmm. imagine the possibilities of everything that you can build around that as your anchor. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need a large department store anymore to be the anchor. In fact, you need something new and extra- extremely diff- different to do that today. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, immersive experiences like Meow Wolf, you know, people talk about the Museum of Ice Cream as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can probably, you know, look at this through the side view of, you know, these are just Instagrammable moments. Okay, they are, but at the moment, that matters to people, mm-hmm. right? To, to visit someplace where it's colorful and fun and they can take pictures and post them and share them. And whether or not you or I find that fun, certainly many, many people do. And to break that into the retail world, I think is going to be pretty important. Yeah, and in a way, like you said, in a way that's accessible for everyone and it's not just coastal. Mm-hmm. I think that's... That's the through line I see through this whole conversation too that I love is that that 
you know, there is that through line. And you talked about technology and meeting merchandising, and then it's meeting the customer and having broad applicability. That's kind of the eye of the needle I see, you know, in terms of, you know, having to decide, you know, what the litmus test is going to be for how you judge the innovations you're going to put forward in this space. So that's really interesting. So we're going to get you out of here on this now. So I'm going to actually sit back from the cheap seats and only make comments on this one. Oh, but I, we, Laura is so unusual. Is the trooper, and she's going to do <laughs> how millennial are you? So Anne's got the questions, and she's ready to go. Okay, Laura, are you ready for how millennial are you? It's like being on Andy Cohen, watch what happens live. It, it is. is. Just like that. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> All right. So let's start with our first question. Laura... When the option is available, you're at the grocery store, for example. Are you using mobile payment or do you still pull out a credit card? I still pull out a credit card. I was just forced to um, activate my app pay. Uh, I don't really want to talk about why, but um, <laughs> I did it and I haven't used it yet. Okay. <laughs> I have no comment. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next one. When you are invited to a wedding, what are you typically gifting and how are you gifting it? I am going off the registry. Okay. I'm and not very millennial, I think. How how are you getting to the registry? I am going online. Okay. Absolutely. okay. There, there, there aren't many options. You're not going in the going store and uh, getting a, a the printout. paper printout. I am not. I am not going in the store. All right. Availing myself of the luxury of not going into the store and doing that task. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Um, in the last week, how many food items or drinks have you ordered via app? That's my favorite question. Zero. 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 Really? Really. What? What about Starbucks? No. So wait, first of all, Starbucks, yes or no? And then if yes, then do you have the app? I have the app and I used to do it. Um, however, in my building now, we have a very lovely coffee area that gives uh, me, every, well, fulfills all of my coffee dreams. I feel like I this is, order, yeah, I feel, um, network. I feel like that's okay. a trend now. The last couple of people yeah, we've forget. asked this question, we, Chris and I need to clearly upgrade <laughs> our, our coffee game. Well, we're in the startup game. So <laughs> going true. from coffee house to coffee <laughs> yes, house and, and being a writer is, is a typical thing it's, in our it's life. It's kind of but... like an office lease payment. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, $3 a day. Okay. Last question. If you could only use one social app, mm. what would it be and why? Instagram. Okay. And why and Instagram? That's a new one for me. Mm. Um, I am enjoying Instagram because it has – and it pains me to say this as someone who came from public, but it has sort of replaced um, my my desire to page through magazines, mm. uh, particularly oh. for home goods and fashion and um, travel. And so that I don't follow anyone I know on Instagram. I only follow influencers and fashion designers so that I can scratch that itch. Huh. That's really cool. Interesting. Yeah, I've never heard that articulated that way before. I'm kind of contemplating unfollowing everybody that I know, so I just take the Laura Heller approach and get inspired. <laughs> it's your instead own personal of like, magazine. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a really interesting way to think. Or about maybe it. a separate channel or something. Yeah, my, right. my own private right. Instagram account that <laughs> I, I have firm walls up. I mean, Facebook is personal, Twitter is business, and Instagram is um, don't talk to me. I want to see a beautiful room. Huh. Okay, interesting. Well. Laura, your responses are as unique and wonderful as you are. We are so thrilled to have been able to have you on the podcast today. 
um, our, let us know um, and our audience know where people can get in contact with you um, if they want to learn more, they want to maybe meet you for coffee at one of the upcoming shows. How should they get in touch with you? Sure. Um, LinkedIn is a really great way to reach me. Um, and also Twitter and at LF as in Frank Heller and Twitter. That's my handle. Um, middle name Faith. And so those are both really easy ways to find me. Uh, and I always answer. Yeah, you're pretty active on the Twitter. You've got a few barbs that you'll throw in there, too. So it's always a good place. That's always a good spot for Laura. Um, well, well, awesome. Well, again, on behalf of Anne and and on and for me too. Thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Best of luck at CES. If you guys are listening and you're going to be out at the show, highly encourage you to check out what Laura is going to be doing there, and as well follow her work on Forbes as she continues to write on that platform as well throughout 2019. But she's a great follow, great person, huge friend of OmniTalk, and so to her and to all of you, as cor- of course, as always, be careful out there. <laughs>